So there's there's a breed of dog called the Italian Greyhound, and uh, Seth Meyers has a dog named Frisbee, and it's incredibly adorable. What kind of dog is this? An Italian Greyhound. Huh. Okay. Hey, how how is an Italian Greyhound different from a, I guess what you would say a regular Greyhound? It's very small. Let me send you send you a link. But no, Frisbee's the cutest. Oh, that is pretty cute. His talk show's not the not the best, but huh. Yeah, but she's a cutie. Thisdogslife.co. I should have gotten dot biz. Dot coffee. Is that one of them? There's like 200 TLDs, dude. Yeah, that's true. Don't, there's, there's dot club. There's dot uh, limousine, I think. And all of these you can register at Hover with our promo code. Are they SA? Are they, are they sponsoring this week? No, but I, I am uh, uh, free advertising. Not that anybody listens to this. Uh Hover, Hover is the best. Like I, I am very, I, I very much enjoy businesses that uh, don't fall into like the cash grab territory, and they stick to their principles of providing like an uncrappy experience. And Hover, even though it's like five dollars more per domain name per year, it's totally worth not having to get screwed over and deal with GoDaddy. They're just they're very simple, and they you know when you when you log on, it's very to the point, which. When I'm registering a domain, that's exactly what I want. Yeah. How many domains do you own? Ugh. It's, it's almost as uh, dark of a road to go down as the Amazon history discussion from last week. Well, I mean, you, not how many have you purchased ever. How many do you have actively registered? It's actually not that many. It's probably six or so. I am incredibly curious because I have no idea what you'd have. I assume you've hung on to your because you you have a, a less common name. Yeah, so I right. I assume you've you've have held on to your own domain name. Yes, it's not being squatted on by some domain squatter like it is for me. Uh, technically correct. TV probably, even though we need .fm, but I know those are expensive. I think actually .tv is more expensive. No, no .fm is like a hundred dollars a year. .tv is like forty a year. Oh, yeah. Although you should get .fm. I'm so I'm still waiting for that uh, that Venmo. I use Square Cash. Maybe that's where you, <laughs> you, you mis you misplaced my cash tag. Maybe yeah, right. Maybe that's that's the worst phrase in history. But anyway, <laughs> uh, I refuse to use Venmo because I'm not I'm not young enough. Oh, I thought you were going to say you refuse to pay me. No, well that too. That's why you. <laughs> um, also, pl- people, please stay tuned because we have a good discussion coming up about self driving cars. But you have to, you have to get through the the preamble. Of oh all yeah, this no, we'll, we'll 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 cut all this out. So okay, so I, I can think of two. So what what are your other domain names? Well, what, oh, so you, oh, yeah, the technically TV. Um, so I own. Oh, what else do I own? So I own um, r two ct dot com, which was the oh yeah, which was the name of my my dad's business. Mm-hmm. Um, that's just kind of a sentimental thing. Mm-hmm. I remember that might have that was potentially like a podcast network name. Yeah, that's right. Gosh, I forgot about that. I was I was curious how you kind of knew that. You got to expand your empire. Um. Yeah. Oh, hover, <laughs> hovers. Um, you said that in such a resigned way. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I'd have to have the build the building blocks of an empire before expanding it, but that's for a different show, I guess. Um, invalid <laughs> username or password. How are you not using one password? I am. Oh God! Is I my am. hover password? Oh, I I don't know. I can't log in. Um, Nine domain names. Shit. Sorry. Go ahead. I think. 
So we said my, my name. We said technically correct. All right. Oh, I think I own um, lightscamerapodcast.com. <laughs> You've kept that renewed for like three years? Yeah. So I just, I just think that's a really good name for a photo <laughs> podcast that... I thought, I, it was about, I thought it was allegedly supposed to be about, about movies. Well, there's been... <laughs> There's been a couple iterations of uh, of that show concept. Okay. All right. What else? I think that I think that's it actually. So I so I don't I don't know that many. Okay. Did I ever hear you say you have nine? I have nine active domains. We're not going to get into them. Moving on. Well, that's not fair. I just said what mine were. I've got my name uh, dot me because I don't. Uh, I'm not going to pay a thousand or like fifteen hundred dollars to the squatter that wants that. I bet it's more than that. No, I, I've checked. Okay. It's because there's a baseball player with my name, and he's kind of a jerk, and he plays on the Milwaukee Brewers. I think we've addressed uh, the, like, if he does something uh, stupid during the regular season, I get a bunch of at replies meant for him <laughs> that are not very pleasant. Nice. Um, and then I've got the domain that I use for my email and administrative stuff for Google Apps. Um, and I've got a few others that I'd rather not talk about. Or that are, that are uh, some of them are like just personal jokes, and some of them are just projects I've never actually done anything with. Uh, we'll, we'll do a couple of other quick things to begin with. Um, we talked about this offline, but I want to get on the record your opinion for uh, what, what's uh, what are your thoughts on sports injuries, meaning when you think about them as potentially being beneficial to your team. And that this is coming up in in terms of the NBA playoffs, where there have been a couple of. Uh, star players that have gotten injured in the uh first round of the nba finals or the postseason or whatever so what's what's you can't you can't think about them that way um i thought your opinion was that you can not that you hope for them but that like strategically you you keep that in mind of thinking well my road to the to the finals is easier because this person's out not saying you're hoping for it okay i mean yeah if if you're just being kind of stone cold about it and think about it in terms of just the x's and o's as you know as you would say then then yeah i i guess you can look at it as an advantage that way but i really don't think teams want that not only not only are they not rooting for it but you think about with the warriors last year and how everyone diminished their championship saying that oh well every team they played along the way particularly the cavaliers in the finals were so injury plagued that Basically, the, the, their title kind of like almost didn't count or like kind of had an asterisk on it, which is a big reason why they came out so fired up this year. So I think teams know that where they don't they don't want their playoff run to be tarnished is a strong word, but they, they don't even want the association of, well, you just got to play a bunch of teams that were going through injuries. OK, sounds fair. Sports in, sports injuries suck. I mean, I I loathe the L.A. Clippers. They're one of my least favorite teams in the NBA. But them losing their two best players in the same game during the playoffs sucks. Like I, I hate seeing that. I, I was down in L.A. in Southern California last week, and uh, there were like just banners and signs all about the Clippers. And I always thought they were the uh, like the second string team to uh, to uh, the Lakers. It well, seems like that town they, could oh, not care oh, less. They, they very much are. I, I'm not this year, apparently, or not not probably not this decade. Well, it's it's hard to have banners for a team that isn't in the playoffs. <laughs> banners <laughs> saying uh, 19% win win percentage. Yeah, next next year. 
Wait, am I being uh, uh, generous or conservative with that estimate? That's about right. What, what was their record? Uh, I can't even think about it off off the top of my head. It, it was their worst regular season record in franchise history. Do you, do you do you really want me to look it up? Are you are you really gonna you're gonna put me through this? It's okay. I'm just reflecting on Mamba Day. <laughs> wow. That uh, that mm, I mm. so so if you want to know, I've I've looked this up for you. I've I've tried to block this out of my uh, memory, but uh, they were 17 and 65. And just you know, just for reference, the Warriors were 73 and nine. That is a that is a fifth. That's a 56 win difference. That's uh, 20.7% win percentage. That's not bad. Yeah, that's exactly correct. It's good math. This is like golf. You're trying to go for the lowest score. Uh, yeah. Uh, wow. Sorry. I am very sorry. That's okay. <laughs> Self-driving cars? Oh, geez. Okay. Why OGs? This is just... We, so we've we've been talking about this... Well, you, you always criticize me for calling it offline because it's really an online conversation. In a non-recorded capacity. <laughs> yeah, that, that's correct. We've been going back and forth about this over various mediums for it, it, at least the last two weeks. But I feel like it's been off and on for even I think it's been months. That. Yeah. and you, you always bring it up and, and you seem oddly passionate about it. And, and you're always so confident in, in, feel, in opinions that I feel are, are not right. <laughs> So uh, we'll let, we'll let the, um, uh, the the listenership decide. Sure. So so where do you where do you want to start with this? So this 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 is a long overdue conversation. I think we've alluded to it a lot. I think I've tried to put it off a couple times because I wanted to write about it, but that's not happening. So, um, it it I think it can go in a lot of different ways. So I think why this keeps coming up is that there are persistent rumors that Apple is going to make a car. Would you say that's fair? I would say that's very fair. Okay. So I think that's uh, a big reason why we need to talk about this. I think uh, with uh, the incoming Model 3 that's going to come out next year from Tesla, uh, Uber's dominance in the transportation space, and a whole lot of other things. I think there's a lot of different reasons why this is interesting to talk about and why um, I think there's a lot of different ways that you can think about it. So do you want me to guide the conversation or do you want to... Uh, give opening statements well i think one of the other general statements we have to put out there to provide some context for the conversation is the general sense that i get is that i think that apple exploring the you know making a car is potentially a smart move for them whereas you i think are more of the mind that that idea is dead on arrival is that is that fair Mostly. I do not think, and in light of Apple's earnings, I, I do not, if you think about the car business as a as a, as a market and, and an overall uh, profit generator, and in terms of like just the economics of it, I don't think it's it plays to the strengths of Apple, or it's not a, a business where there's enough inventory turnover and, and, and recurring sales and like that kind of stuff to make it a worthwhile business for them to be in. So I, I I do strongly disagree that that is the right business for them, but we'll we'll get there. Yeah. So uh, give me just uh, give like a brief overview. Like what what's what's your stance in terms of like autonomous vehicles? Where do you think things are going? Where do you think kind of like Tesla, Apple, and the like legacy 
automobile makers? Like, where, where does this all shake out? What, what do you think is happening in five to 10 years? So it's hard. It's, I, I don't like most of the time when you make, when people make analogies like this, but I feel like it, it's, it's the best way that I can kind of describe why I feel the way I do about Apple potentially making a car, which is, I think current, most current vehicles suck today. And I'm not talking about, you know, horsepower or driving performance, because I'm not really the type of guy who's into that sort of thing. And the, the, the general sense I get from people who are is that there actually are some pretty cool cars out there in terms of drivability and performance. But what I think you'll get universal um, opinions on is that the actual in-car experience, so you know the, the interface that you're interacting with, whether it's the dash or whether it's your touchscreen display, whatever it is, that experience pretty much across the board is terrible. And the analogy that I would make to that is the cell phone market or the smartphone market pre-iPhone, where, you know, there were options out there, some that were okay, some that were certainly better than others. But by and large, nothing out there really captured people's imagination and really made them start to love using their phone. And I feel like there's such a huge opportunity for someone to come into the car industry and basically make kind of like the iPhone of the in-car experience. And I know that, you know, I don't want to get too far ahead, but it, the where, where it ties into, I think, the autonomous vehicle conversation is that, you know, you, you, I think you're going to make a point, something along the lines of, well, when we have autonomous vehicles, that sort of in-car experience starts to matter less and it becomes less personal. Which ding, I, ding, ding. Which I do think is true from a certain point of view, but in some ways I would almost argue that it becomes more important or maybe just important in different ways, which maybe we can get more into, but I still think even if the car is driving itself, which is clearly where all this is going, the actual experience of being in your car is still going to matter a lot. It's, it's a place that many people are in for hours a day um it's it's a place that they share with friends and family comfort is a big deal personalization is a big deal and i think that there's there's a huge opportunity to really provide something that people love and that's where i think a company like apple could really step in and do something like what they did with the cell phone market. Okay. So I disagree with 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 almost all of that. So <laughs> and and I don't I don't mean to say like you're way off base, but I think there's um some subtleties in the argument and 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 things that make that I I where I don't think the next 10 to 15 or 10 or 20 years are going to shake out that way. So I think like the the big thing I want to talk about first to maybe that'll maybe uh, alter the discussion a little bit is is do uh, what what's one of your favorite companies right now? Cactus Society. Um, it's uh, would would you want me to answer this in like as a company that I whose products I use or just a, any company who I kind of generally am interested in now? 
Who's the Cactus of Society? We're reaching back into the archives with this. Are you, are you making an Uber reference? Yes. Well, <laughs> that's, that, that's their name. Okay. Would you agree with that? That's one of your favorite companies? I, I would, yes. Okay. So Uber has shown that uh, transportation, particularly for people in urban environments, but also with the expansion of UberX and that kind of stuff it, into uh, more suburban areas, that transportation is becoming much more of a commodity rather than a personal type of uh, economic good. Would you say that's at least partially accurate? Partially, yeah. Okay, where 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 do you disagree? I think I th- I think that's true for some. I think it's true for people in big cities, people who are traveling for business, or maybe even personal, just traveling in general. But I think for those groups of people, people who live in a bike or even just sort of like walker friendly area or people who are traveling who historically have like rented cars for those people a car and the concept of driving has never really been central to their lives and it's not really something they probably have highly valued but i think those groups of people of which you and i are certainly a part of is a very small piece of the pie and doesn't represent even close to a majority of people so I would disagree with that in the sense if you look at overall car ownership that and car sharing trends that happen inside of large urban areas, the fact that cities are growing at a much greater pace than suburban areas and exurban areas are, and also kind of the proliferation and expansion of Uber into suburban areas where, and I don't like the term, millennials and the people who will be the largest economic group of consumers will be less likely to uh, think personal automobiles are as important as the generation before them. Would you say there's any truth to that? I think think there is some, sure. But even if those percentages are going up, I, I don't I don't know if we're going to, I mean, we could maybe, but I don't know if we're really going to get to the point where it's an overwhelming majority of people view being in a car almost like they would being on a train or being on a plane where they don't necessarily think about like going, I mean, that's sort of a, I don't know if that's, that's kind of a weird analogy. Be, well, or maybe, it, maybe it's the right analogy because in in your hypothetical future, basically like no one would own a car, right? So it would- Well, no, what I'm saying is there are potentially fleets that are uh, autonomous fleets that are rented out or, or administrated by Uber or Google or some, or maybe the government or like some mass transit provider where, and I'm not saying it's it's going to be like a bus situation, like because I think what you just mentioned, like a train or uh, an aircraft, suggests that you're packed in with uh, 50 to 150 people or something. Where I th- I can see a future where Uber has uh, like parking garages full of autonomous vehicles, like every five blocks that you just call from your from your phone whenever you want to go anywhere, and that is cheaper and more efficient than personal automobile ownership in terms of not having to pay insurance, not having to worry about where you can park it in an urban environment or even in a suburban environment. If on-demand becomes more convenient, 
which it totally can because personal automobile ownership is expensive, even in a non-urban environment. I, I think that's totally possible. I, I, I don't necessarily disagree, but that type of setup, it's hard to imagine that becoming the norm anywhere outside of a densely populated urban area. But how could it not? Because again, if you're not in a, des- uh, a densely populated urban environment, how how can the uh, abandoned blockbuster in your uh, uh, what's what's a, what's a county? Uh, your your I don't know your Orange County strip mall or something. Like, how does that blockbuster parking lot not become an Uber transportation hub? And so you're suggesting that every single time you need a vehicle, you're going to have to call one i'm saying that once you and again again this is a hypothetical situation i i I don't know if this will happen but i think for a lot of people it might that you you're leaving your house and you got to take your kid to school or you got to go run an errand you five minutes before you want to head out the door you tap that you want a car and it's waiting outside so what if you're someone who commutes to work you do you do this every day Mm -hmm. i I assume there will be autonomous buses too and so what happens when you you need to go to work in the morning and all of the local autonomous Uber vehicles are, are taken up. I think that problem is fixed within a week because the algorithms know and they adjust for that. And so Uber is just able to spawn cars and just, just make more of them magically appear? I think that's what manufacturing is about, but yes. I think they purchase more to meet demand. So I think... Okay, maybe let's take... I think we're getting off topic. Well, no, no, no. I think... I, well, no, not necessarily. So I think you're describing a possible future scenario or a future Again, state. Again, I'm, I'm, saying, I'm saying this is much more... Uh, going to be much more immediate and, and impactful for urban environments, but I'm saying it can uh, totally translate to suburban areas too. I think that could happen. But I before that, so let's let's take that as a given. Let's say we will eventually get to a future like that. Before we get there, there's going to be some type of middle ground. We're not we're not getting to autonomous Uber fleets all across the country on demand in the next five years. We're not getting there in the next ten years. I think in the next ten years, I think we're going to have a weird overlap situation, and we'll talk about this later, where there's going to be regular human driven cars uh, alongside all this other stuff because regulation and things will take time to catch up but no i think in urban environments i think within the next 10 years this is totally totally possible right but but again i think you're you're you're, i think you're overstating the importance of urban areas like I, i i really feel like you're being i feel like you're in the bubble sure but I again, I'm not saying this is going to take over the entire country, but I think it starts there just in the same way that Uber started in San Francisco and New York and a lot of other areas. And now there's UberX and Uber Plus and all these other things in Orange County and other places. So no, I, I totally think that it will spread. Of course, the greatest return on investment and the greatest impact that you can have in terms of efficiencies and um, time savings and all this other kind of stuff and how you can get the most customers is going to be in urban environments. But I think that scales. I, I think it does too. But I, before we get there, there there's going to have to be some middle ground, of, of which is going to involve people still owning their own cars. I uh, absolutely agree. And again, there's going to be a, a, a weird period of 
how long are people still allowed to drive manual cars? Because that that will stop being legal in the future. Well, but I don't mean that. I'm I'm talking about like let let's take the Apple car now as a given. Let's say that's something they're gonna do. There's still a huge opportunity for a company like Apple to come in and build a car that people want to own and have that be a successful business for many, many years before this dystopian Uber future of yours comes to be the norm. Dystopian? You already love <laughs> It just sounds like they're a, your know, favorite you, company. You it's it's just sounds like a very sterile picture. I don't know. It totally is. And also let's 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 reframe this as I like in the two of us, like I am the car guy. Like I like I that wouldn't count for most other people, but I, I think I enjoy cars way more than you do. And you are a much bigger fan of Uber than I am. So I, I don't want this future necessarily. I think this future will 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 be worse for people like me. But I think that's probably how it's going to pan out. I mean, I just, you know, for me, my point of comparison is I look at my sort of, you know, daily and weekly habits, and then I compare that to my extended family in San Diego, where they, they have Uber down there. I've, I've used Uber down there when visiting. But the for me, you know, for me, I, I do own a car, but I could totally get by without owning a car if I really wanted to. Whereas the thought of like my grandma and my aunt and uncle not owning a car and just trying to to use Uber and just do you know just taking Uber everywhere like that. But again, you have to think of the uh, about the scale of Uber and how the on demand economy will. S- God, I sound like such an asshole. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> if if I speak in too many buzzwords, feel free to edit it out or or smack me. But when you think about uh same day delivery and amazon prime and, and uh postmates and like just all that crap you have to understand that uh, the need for personal transportation will be reduced because the number of trips and amount people commute will be reduced by things being delivered to you so both of those things happen at the same time like how often are people going to the mall and in shopping for certain things versus Amazon now. Uh, ju- judging by the traffic in the Bay Area, I would say there's more people on the road than ever before. There are more Uber drivers on the road. Mm, I don't. I don't know if that's the problem on the 101. Uh, tech jobs and and the fact that people want to live in San Francisco versus commuting to uh, Peninsula tech companies is totally different. Mm. That, that we're, we're getting off track. So again, all of this is for me to make the point that I think transportation overall becomes more of a commodity than the kind of personal journey and and like feeling of the open road and all, and all the bullshit that uh, Americans believe and 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 enjoy. And and I and I'm one of them. I enjoy that. So I think I think where you and I disagree. So I, we don't disagree on this idea, but I I think we disagree on the scope of it. I I think that. That's gonna that what you're what you just said is gonna hold true for a growing number of people over a fairly long timeline. So there's still going to be more than an ample addressable market for someone to come in and kind of disrupt personal vehicles like the way that we 
think about them today. Whereas you you think that this you think that the adoption of not owning your own vehicle is going to be widespread and in a relatively short period of time. Not necessarily. Again, and that's not that's what I'm saying. I'm saying in urban environments that's going to happen. Other other areas it's going to take longer. But what I'm saying is when you remove the fact that a person is driving a car and there's an actual connection to that, the importance of like uniqueness and uh, like when you remove that personal connection because you're no longer driving, that changes how you choose to buy a car, what type of car you buy. Because autonomous cars, like, there's not going to be much of a performance difference because it's all going to be regulated by algorithms and speed limits and all that other kind of stuff. So there's not going to be any more of these TV ads of showing, like, windy roads and all, and all this stuff of, like, you're, oh, you have the faster car than somebody else. That's all going to change because I'm not saying just because it's going to be self-driving cars run by, like, some fleet owners. It's just that transportation becomes something that's just provided in the same way that like there are many different ways to watch television. Like it's still the same thing just delivered in a different way. So let's, let's, let's continue with that. So do you think that when self-driving cars become something that's the norm for people who choose to own those on their own, rather than it being like a fleet, experience or an on-demand thing that's provided by an uber or a lyft if they're still around do you think that shifts consumer preferences like do you think what's important in a car is different than what it is now yeah i definitely think so how do you think it'll be different well i mean the the obvious ones right where and you've already said it drive performance is probably going to matter a lot less and so now i think what is an even bigger emphasis is now what's inside the car and how do you interact with the car? Because there's still going to be some level of interaction, even if well, but you're... If, but if you interact with the car, it's just going to be opening up an app on your phone and saying, I want, I want to go here. Sure. Okay. But, so, what, so the interface that matters is on your phone. Well, or, what, or whatever is going to replace the smartphone as we know it between now and this far-flung future of yours. The far-flung future in 10 years, the smartphone's not going to get replaced. Okay. We're going to mark down this episode as, as a whole bunch of bold predictions, and, and we're going to put something on the I line just, to bet I, for this. I just think, and I mean, this isn't, this isn't a crazy statement, but trying to predict technology 10 years out, that's, I mean... Let's keep in mind that the iPhone is nine years old. That's, that's, that's exactly my point, is that... <laughs> I totally agree, but hold on. Here's what you have to think of. Like, think of the difference in computers versus like in, in 1993 i had a uh a, a, an intel 386dx that ran windows 311 and if you compare that to a computer running windows 7 in uh 2008 or something were they that different not really but if you compare a phone in a smartphone allegedly in 2005 to let's say an iPhone 3GS in 2009, they are worlds different. I think the rate of like technological innovation and how quickly people are willing to adopt these kinds of things and the importance of mobile data and all these other things makes it very different. And I think things are going to change much faster than you might think. I think we grew up at a weird time where things improved incrementally and slowly for like 15 years, where things like... It, Things are crazy compared to 2005. Well, but I, th I think that doesn't that support my point that it, it might not be a smartphone that you're 
communicating with your car with? No. <laughs> okay. Again, I think smartphones were a unique thing, and I think those are evolving and changing very quickly. But I don't think the idea of like just a four-inch piece of glass in your pocket changes in, in the next five to ten years. Data will get faster. Cameras will get better. Like build quality. Like all, all those things are going to change. But I, I like like what are you suggesting? You think there are going to be like chip implants, or it's going to be there's going to be a Google Glass type situation? Like what what are you talking about? Well, I mean the line that we always use on the show, which is if I knew, then I wouldn't be doing this program and would be making a lot more money. Well, no, you'd be doing this because it's a labor of love. Oh, well, that's that's fair. <laughs> uh, yeah, you just <laughs> you'd be doing it courtside at your uh, Golden State Warriors game because you own the team on your own. That's right. And you have Kobe Bryant as the uh, as the head coach. No, no, no. He he has said that he wouldn't be a very good coach. Because he's a ball hog. <laughs> did he ever shake that? We're getting off track. He, t- he right. took 50 shots in his last game. No, he didn't. Well, that's that's because he... he, he Mamba Day. <laughs> what, an, what a gigantic organ, organized advertising cluster. Anyway. anyway. <laughs> Consumer preferences. Yeah. God, like a fifth of the way through this. Um... So yeah, so anyway, you agree that, that the, what's important to customers is going to change, right? I, I do. So I guess my, my point is that I, I disagree strongly with your main assertion that is that what is inside of the car and the – like I think what's inside the car is important in terms of like luxuriousness and and convenience and that kind of stuff. But I think the user interface of the car, I think much in the same way that Google became good at user interfaces, I think – most companies will get better at design. When, when did Google? I'm sorry. When did Google get good at user interfaces? Did, 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 I, did I did I miss that? You haven't used a modern Android phone in years. Yeah, for for good reason. You're being an elitist. I'm, I'm no, I'm not. Slum it to, slum it down here with the rest of us. And, and, and... oh, 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 I'm I'm being the elitist, Mister. The the preferences of Uber urban dwellers, Uber dwellers. It's actually it's pretty good. Um. At, you know represent the the country as a whole or the world as a whole <laughs> we'll let the listeners decide well, yeah we, yeah i think the, the choice is clear <laughs> <laughs> all right <Ugh. laughs> this is the state of our political discourse right now yeah you, it's yeah. bad this is this is the embodiment, that's, that's uh, embodiment not, that's not, of it. let's not go down that road the women card oh god oh <laughs> he's such he's such anyway oh my god staying on track yeah was not about? Oh yeah, my my Android phone finally got uh, Android six like six months after it, re- it got released, and I and I actually think that's a, a, an applaudable type thing. Was it talking about? Oh yeah, so in in cars, like I I just don't think that when transportation becomes more of a commodity, whether or not it's owned and operated by somebody else, and you call it from your phone, or if it's like an electric vehicle, like let's say a Model Three, that's a fully autonomous thing. I think the internal or like the the interface inside of your car becomes a lot less important because the whole thing is that if the car drives itself, it's basically just a box on wheels that you sit in and stare at another screen that's made by somebody else. So how well, like I, I think, like if, uh, think of the car as just like a gigantic Apple TV. Like where you can, sure, you can beam stuff to it or you can play music through it. Like you can do a lot of things but it's just like a very it's like it's a very rudimentary way of of either getting somewhere or like charging up your phone or doing like a video conference or something in, in your car. Like I, I think that it's 
the interface becomes far less important because that's not the device. You're no longer holding a wheel and, and, and controlling pedals and that kind of stuff. You, you're free to use your device as you want, as some people seem to think is already the case in terms of like the texting while driving thing. But, but again, I, I strongly believe that why would you be touching your car if, if that's an important thing? Your car would just allow you to airplay or, or move media from your iPad or your iPhone or your Nexus device or, or whatever, whatever, on, onto the car's sound system or in-car display. Yeah, but imagine current car companies with their current in-car tech doing something like that. It'd be a disaster. I mean, the, 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 touch, the touch screen on my Ford Sync system barely works. I, I have to tap the thing like three or four times before it recognizes my finger. Mm-hmm. I'm like, if, if, if we have an autonomous vehicle and presumably you're able to do more of that now because you are not actually driving the vehicle and you're able to do other things while your vehicle's moving, you're going to be interacting with a screen like that more. So doesn't that experience become even more important? Partially, but again, how hard would it be for Tesla? Or again, you have to you have to talk about a good auto manufacturer. And I'm not and I'm not knocking Ford or any of that kind of stuff. But I'm saying you have to think of somebody who's going to be responsive. Like so, take like um, an Audi or, or um, who's who's the nimble car maker? Like I assume Toyota would do something like uh, if they just or like particularly Tesla, where they have that uh, out like oversized touchscreen inside of the car. Like how how difficult is it to just make that a, a, a Wi-Fi enabled like display? Well, if it's not difficult, why aren't car manufacturers doing it today? Because you have to drive the car. Again, like when you remove the element of the human driver needing to control and that being the primary function of kind of like the the driver's side seat, what you're driving for, what what you're <laughs> what you're designing for is totally different. It's a comfortable like. It's just totally different. Like right now, all these all these crappy interfaces, like in in, in BMW iDrive, is good in certain ways, but it's super crappy in in many other ways. But it's designed to be somewhat easy to use while a vehicle is in motion, no matter how much they say it isn't. And again, that is very limiting, and that's that's that informs the design of that system so much. When it's something where you're, it's assumed that you're not driving. And it's just supposed to be a comfortable thing. I think like even Vizio, like and all these people who make like really low end PCs and displays and other stuff, like there becomes a point where that's just dead simple to do. And the only thing the auto manufacturer is responsible for is a car that moves, that has sensors that works, and is comfortable on the inside. Again, the the buying motives and what's important to customers and what people are designing the interior and, and just like all the aspects of a car, it, it totally shifts. I mean, I, th- I think it does, but it's still important, and I, I, I don't. It's important, but again, people can get better at it. Apple, Apple does not have some magic key for designing interfaces. To me, the the, the argument that you're making now would be BlackBerry in early 2007 saying, "Oh, you know, no, they, they can do, they can totally just flip the switch and start making good phones whenever they want to." It's not because in phones, that is the exact equivalent of a car that you're driving. You're piloting the phone. Does that make sense? Kind of. I mean, you're still operating it. Like, again, the whole, like, this is not shifting who's, like, 
making a good user interface and something that's compelling that you want to buy, that's still the responsibility of a phone or tablet manufacturer. Again, like the 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 whole point is the car is not doing this for you. Like all those the intensely personal decisions that make you choose the phone or the tablet that you choose are still going to be there. It's just that the car is going to be an extension of that. You're not going to choose your car just because it works like your phone because you're not going to be interacting with it much. Or or will you? You won't. But maybe you'll just be interacting with it in different ways. Why would you be doing that? Well, may- maybe now you're getting your work done or maybe now you're... But you're doing that on the device that you already like. like because again, like it, the whole point of self-driving cars is to make roads more efficient, to reduce transit time and reduce time that's just wasted. So why would you build or design... Or, or or spend much time on interfaces where ideally you're spending as little time as possible inside of your vehicle. You're like you're still going to be doing all of your like there's like just in the same way that you said you like we were talking offline where you don't want to max. Why do you want this weird computer inside of your car that's going to have your that you're going to work inf- uh, on information with for like 20 minutes in your car on your hopefully shorter commute, and then you're just going to go back on your actual computer or your actual phone. Well, but but even even without much traffic people still spend a heck of a lot of time in their cars every day but most traffic is due to the human inefficiency of human drivers maybe but i but even even if even if there's no traffic sometimes people still commute 40 50 miles to their job so i think spending only 20 minutes in your car is it's vastly underestimating the amount of time that people actually do spend in their cars i still don't think you're spending enough time in the car to make your point work in the sense that you're saying that you're doing work on the car screens rather than your actual device that stays with you all day, every day. Well, I, I think that one of the problems with this whole conversation is that, so again, let, let's take the Apple rumors as they stand today as being true, that Apple is going to come out with a car in 2020 or 2021. Like, I don't, I don't know if we're going to be to the point by then where we're going to have fully autonomous or even a, a, what what would be between semi-autonomous and fully autonomous ma- ma- semi-autonomous ma- major- majority autonomous i don't know cars uh, <laughs> um, i don't know if we're going to be to that point by then or how close we're even going to be by that point so well hold sorry to interrupt but like so then why does it make so if apple is making a car why would it ever make sense for them to make like it just seems so weird like that seems like kind of like a uh, like a it it seems like a resistive touchscreen. Like why even bother when you know where the market's going? Like why would you even waste time developing something that you know will hopefully not exist in five years? Like that just seems so weird because that's not revolutionary. That's not the future. So why would a company like Apple that like hopefully like because if they get into this business, which I don't think they will. Uh, uh, let's play this back in five years, but let's, I, I don't think they will. Why would they do something that's maybe just a little bit better than what Tesla's doing? Well, they, they wouldn't do it if it was only a little bit better. That's, so that's then they I'm would saying. wait for fully autonomous vehicles. But I, I, how, I mean, how realistically, how close are we? F- uh, 10 years. Hmm. I think five years is too soon. I think, Probably in like the next three years or so, the government loosens up a little bit. 
on that because you can make a bunch of there's like this could be a preponderance of evidence in terms of safety claims of how much better and less error prone uh, uh, self driving cars are, and 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 that's going to get that stuff pushed through. And I think there's so many companies that are already almost on there. I think the like what Audi's doing with like a lot of the smart driver features. Like I think most of the sensors are getting there. Google's doing important things. Uh, there's just so much there where it's going to happen a lot sooner than you think. And I think that stuff goes mainstream and becomes affordable in, in seven to 10 years. I I mean, even, even if that's true, it, it could be, I, I don't know. It, it seems a little aggressive, but may, maybe it's true. I don't know. Even if that's true, I I do still think you're underestimating the value of the importance of the experience of of being in your car. Like I I guess maybe I'm not doing a very good job articulating exactly why, but I I, I still really do think that just just the act of being in your vehicle, even if you're not actively driving it much, it's still going to be something that people value a lot and it's still going to have to be a really nice experience. No, I th- I think you are making the point and and I don't want to diminish that because like I totally agree where Americans in particular have like a real like just like since the uh since the 40s or 50s like in with the uh international or sorry not the international the interstate highway system and like all this kind of stuff like America has always been like this car of like the uh, of like this country of the open road and, and and Americans have always had like a really personal attachment to their vehicles in terms of how they look how they think they're an expression of themselves and and you like a lot of people identify or like define themselves in certain ways by what they drive. You think that's fair, right? Yes. And I I I think that has been the case because like you're behind the wheel and you're driving and like you you think that somebody is like somebody on the outside like if you if you roll up like in, in your brand new car or something it, like that says something about you about like oh, your personality about your values about your tastes and a lot of other things but again if you're no longer behind the wheel and you're basically sitting in a box that takes you from point a to point b and that uh, government laws and 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 smart grids and, and stuff like that uh prevent your car from going faster than a certain like some certain speed like all of those like the aggressiveness and the uh, like the uniqueness and and uh, all of that stuff that led to that like american identity identity as a like a car loving country mainly goes away where all that becomes less important like i think it's in the same way like that people might want to customize stuff in the same way that they have like phone cases and like and there's they're different like nobody wants to have like the same iphone as everybody else and there are little ways that they'll try to tweak it but i think the car will become the same type of thing where individuality matters less because again transportation becomes more of a commodity so again, agree to disagree. I, I I totally get your point. I, I I just think it matters less going forward under my aggressive expectations, right? Which which I totally admit. Yeah. Well, so that so I do think then. So I think where our conversations offline or off off the show, maybe I should, <laughs> I, should I should phrase it as our unrecorded conversations, right? Except by the NSA. Um. Um, and the NSA will know everywhere your car goes. Yes. Oh boy, Audi. That's right. So, you know, a a big driver, bad pun, sorry, (laughs) of those conversations was, you know, whether or not Apple should 
pursue this this car initiative mm-hmm. and I, I don't know i i think that the better argument you really should be making and maybe that we can segue into this is sort of the the business around trying to to make a car and, and we will yeah would you say that like right now if we if we pretend that apple is never making a car would you say that like tesla is kind of the apple of the car industry sort of i think so yeah they're the, they're the closest we have to an apple of the car industry. So the, what do you think their strengths are? Like what makes somebody make that comparison? Design. Okay. Um, I think simplicity and choice. You know, Apple's product. What do you mean by choice? Well, Apple, so Apple's product line, I think, has, has undoubtedly gotten more complex over the years, but it's still... I mean, limited choice. And then it's 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 curated, right? Cur- like the Apple Watch collection, right? Curated choice, yeah, curated choice. <laughs> no, but seriously, I mean, you, you compare Apple to other tech companies, and it's you no, know, like if you look at Ford or like Nissan's product page, it's a it's a fucking mess. Well, yeah, and I mean, you and you could say the same thing for something like Samsung or HTC, like, or Apple now, um, iPad Mini two still on sale. <laughs> uh, okay, I, I get it. Like no, it's so like Tesla for the most part. Like they have the Model S, which comes in like three varieties. They have the Model X. That comes with doors that don't sense if they're in a parking garage, and then there's the Model Three <laughs> that's coming out in like a year. So no, like it's uh, it's a very or, or uh, two years, but anyway, isn't it like it's supposed to be winter 2017 or something? Yeah, that's not going to happen. <laughs> I mean, I mean every 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 other one of their launches has been super delayed. They're going to like produce four of them, and that's going to be fine because <laughs> that counts. Sure. Like Apple with like late uh late spring or when did they say the Apple Watch is coming out and it came out like April twentieth. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, like the very last day of spring. Uh-huh. Um. So yeah, Tesla. I, I I agree that they have similarities, but also they have the technology and and they're one of the, they're like Tesla deserves all the credit in the world for making electric cars that don't look dumb or like that don't look silly. Would you say like because things like the Nissan Leaf and the Chevy Volt and all these other things they're they're goofy weird interpretations of what an electric car can be and Tesla made it sleek and something that people want and that performed well in a lot of ways like the iPhone right right so why why can't they continue that what what is Apple's like secret weapon like what is the, what is their unfair advantage here because again they're like uh, what I think we talked about offline is that Tesla is not like a- Apple if we think of this as the the smartphone market in 2005 or 2007 who is the who's who's the palm who who's the windows mobile here Tesla is not windows mobile sure the apple car can maybe perhaps have um better voice activation or a better interface and that kind of stuff but the level of difference and 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 whatever improvements can be made it's not going to be this like leapfrog type thing that happened when you compare a uh, Palm OS 5 or a Windows Mobile 6 phone to an iPhone which was a night and day difference and people were like remember the thing when like BlackBerry was saying that like we we can't believe this is this is real this has to be fake right like i i don't see where that applies in the sense that apple's making a car well i mean I don't. I don't think only having one company making what we would consider, a, you know, kind of an acceptable vehicle is is enough. I, I think you have to have you have to have more than that. Like even even if pre iPhone, like let's say, 
let's say that let's say that Android came out before iOS, right? And that it was, you know, it was pretty good. It was it was significantly better than anything that came before it, which I would think, you know, going back to 2007 had Android come out then, I, I think it, it would have been considered a significant leap forward. You'd still want more than that. You'd want more than one company pursuing a, a, a better experience. Absolutely. But I guess where I disagree or where I think that breaks down is that this is not what Apple does. And this is a type of industry where it doesn't speak to their core competencies at all. So why would somebody who doesn't have something that's miles better and is like uh, industry transforming, why does it make sense for a company that's used to high margins on products that are easy to ship and have high replacement cycles and all these types of things? If they're not going to be that much better than somebody else, then why bother? Why bother with a product that gets replaced every five to 12 years is way more expensive that has weird that that you can't just ship easily to somebody like there are just so many reasons where the economic uh, economics of it just don't make sense well but i mean i think even in terms of like you think of profitability yeah yes it's true that people wouldn't be replacing their cars every two years like they do an iphone but Assuming that Apple were to somehow be able to keep similar margins in in the vehicle as they do in their current products, you know, every one vehicle they would sell would represent, I mean, what, hundreds, thousands of, of iPhone sales in terms of the amount of profit which is being generated? No. Hold on. Let, let's, let, okay, let's pretend the car costs $50,000. It would be, it'd be way more than that, but... So then nobody's going to buy it. I mean, I'm looking at Tesla's website right now and a base, a very base stripped down, no features Model X costs $67,000 after tax incentives. But we're not talking about Model X. Again, the comparison point would be against the Model 3, which is going to be between thirty-five dollars and $40,000. And again, let's attach the Apple premium to that. So I think $50,000 is fair. Let's say they continue to have 35% profit margins, which I think for a new product, that's lofty. So that's uh, $17,500. Let's say Apple's making $300 off uh, of of margin or or profit off of any high-end iPhone. So that means each car they sell gets them the profit of 58 phones. But how on earth are they going to sell that many cars? How on earth are they going to ramp up production to meet demand even if it's there? Like, like the challenges to this are just so much higher than the potential upside. And again, this is counting, like they're having to build up the supply, like unless they're going to outsource this to somebody else, which I don't see why they would. Otherwise, if they're just going to be like a, an interface partner, then they can do that without, like I, I'm sure BMW would line up to have them be, for them to have like Apple inside and for them to replace iDrive and connected drive and just have it be an Apple thing. Like they could totally do that. But if Apple's going to put all the effort into manufacturing a car and doing all the stuff and investing in the battery technology and, and doing all of that, just the profit is not enough to make it worthwhile. I mean, I, I guess maybe the problem with this comparison is we're, we're doing that, that iPhone comparison where we say that every new product line that Apple introduces is held to the same standard as the iPhone. And maybe that's just not even a fair premise. 
You mean in terms of how successful it needs to be? Right. But then, but then I guess my, my follow-up is that why there are simpler things, like if they're going to have like what's maybe the equivalent of a side business, aren't there easier things to do? Yeah, there, there probably are. But when you're a company like Apple with the resources it has, you know, maybe you don't need to do the what's easiest. Maybe. <sighs> I mean, I, I agree that it, it's, I mean, you know, it, there there are so many other challenges we haven't even gotten into, which is distribution and support. Like, I mean, all, we, we thought, you know, it's funny, you know, when we, when the rumors, you know, Mr. Munster, Gene Munster. Gene. <laughs> kicking around about an Apple television set, you know, we talked about like, well, I mean, how, how are they going to sell these things? Like, where are they going to go on Apple stores? Like, how are they going to support these things? Like, are they, are Apple employees going to come to your home to, to do in-home support? Like, like the Maytag guy. Yeah, right. Yeah. Like, like that, but that's not the business that they're in. That destroys the whole Apple image. Right. So like, but I'm saying like, it, it, if we thought it was going to be hard with a TV set, now imagine this is a car. Exactly. Like, do you, do you think inside like the shops at Mission Viejo that there's going to be a fucking Apple car? Was it, was next, it, wasn't next, that the first Apple store or the second Apple store? No, you're thinking of the Microsoft store. No, <laughs> it was Scotts, it, no, no, no. Scottsdale, Arizona, and the shops at Mission Viejo were the two first Microsoft stores. Maybe that's what I am thinking of. But the the, the one in Mission Viejo, the Apple store, that was, was one of the early ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a good mall. That's a great mall. <laughs> I think I think great mall is already a thing. <laughs> Maybe. Um, um, but but like that's that's not going to happen. I just. I think people want like, I, and the thing that bug not bugs me, but that confuses me that is that like uh, Jason Snell is on board with this, and I and I don't and I've just I I'm not getting why, like I totally understand the thing that I'm sure Apple can do interfaces better than somebody else, and God knows like I I uh, I was uh, I rented like the world's worst car like Chevy MyLink is the worst thing I've ever used in my entire life it's it's terrible, but there's uh, how much better can you make it where it makes all the effort and all the stuff you're having to do to make it happen it it's just not going to immediately contribute to the bottom line that see that's what that's where what you're not getting is sort of a this is very subjective so it's not really fair to say but that that's where you and i just fundamentally disagree which is i think there's a huge opportunity there and i think people would put a ton of value into having a better experience in their car. I sure as heck, I know I would. Like, I I, I hate, like, as much as I like my car, I hate the in-car experience and interface. And I, I would pay a significant premium to have a similar type of vehicle with an Apple-like interface. I get it. But again, these interfaces stink because they're designed because with the assumption that you're behind the wheel. Now there there has there has to be something better even with you behind the wheel. There has to be. But who's going to invest the time if that's not the future? Well, but I think I think Tesla is. But they're not. Cuz look like look at the Model 3. Isn't like wasn't your whole premise that the the like ace in the sleeve or is that still not an expression? <laughs> I think that came up in another show. Uh, like, is, isn't that their whole thing? Is that like allegedly like it just won't be there? Like, because there is no dashboard in the sense that like, it just won't be a non, it won't be like a manually driven car. 
Well, that that was my speculation, although I think the, the more realistic scenario is that there's actually just some type of advanced heads-up display. And the and that it has it auto and it has autopilot similar to the way that like um the current Tesla vehicles, you know. But again, fast forward five years, it just it it's it's or or ten years, it stops mattering. Hmm. So uh to round, round this out. God, this is taking forever. Um I, I just don't I overall I don't think it's feasible for Apple to to make a car. I I, I think that potentially they are going to partner with somebody else who already makes one and they'll do like a co-branded thing. Um, again, I think BMW or, or some other manufacturer could totally do it uh, with them. And then, and they would, I'm sure many car companies would give them like super blanket autonomy to do almost anything with it. I think that's far more likely again, it just it doesn't make sense for them to make their own. It just doesn't. Yeah, I I, I total I I agree that a better interface has value for a lot of people. I don't think as much as you might suggest, but I, it doesn't make sense for them to do it on their own. There are just way way too many problems with it. And then just just to round this out, what? The other limiting factor I think of all this, and this is this is stepping away. This is going back to a broader conversation on autonomous cars and not just Apple and Tesla. But wh- how quickly do you think the government will kind of step back in error and, and take a bigger look at this and loosen up laws on self-driving vehicles? Like, do you think that regulation and bureaucracy are going to be a big limiting factor, or do you think that changes? under the evidence that it's just far safer. I, I, I do think that's going to be a limiting factor. It's, it's going to take a lot of education and a lot of testing, and in some ways, rightfully so, to make people comfortable with the idea of self-driving cars. And I, I mean, who knows what that looks like? I mean, yeah, it's so... It's so hard to say how long that's going to take. I mean, you're you're talking about a, a government that we have today that can't even pass simple bills. So, but I don't think this is a partisan. I, I think much of that is the the ineffectualness of our our Congress is a lot like has to do with a lot with partisanship. Do you really think that autonomous vehicles split across party lines? No, I I don't mean to imply that. I I just mean to imply that we have a government that can't even pass simple bills today, let alone extremely complex bills like this. Okay, no, actually, no, I I I, I agree with that. I, I because when I think of the encryption bills and the lack of understanding and familiarity that almost every elected uh, legislator has about technology, no, I, I completely agree. Actually, right. That's uh, disappointing. Uh, do you think like the legacy automakers and and uh, the interest of protecting American business because like these self driving cars and that kind of stuff? It's not uh, like Tesla is um, Tesla and Apple are American companies, but in terms of like Ford and Chevy and Dodge, like do you think they have a meaningful role in self driving vehicles? I think everybody's going to have to if, if when because when, when that becomes the norm. 
if they, I mean, if, if they don't have a significant role, then they're not going to be in business anymore. No, that well, that's what I'm saying. Do you think that the government will have like protectionist legislation to try to protect oh, the um, the American automakers? I mean, potentially, even if they don't it, it innovate at the level necessary. It but potentially, I, I guess it, it depends on if companies like Tesla and you know, maybe Apple, maybe maybe they're replacing those jobs at Chevy and Ford such that you wouldn't necessarily need to prop up those kind of old companies. Okay. And also I I keep forgetting to include Google in all this. Again, Google's done all the work. Like have you have you seen the TED talk with uh the Google self driving car guy? Uh no, I have not. I will have to send you a link. It's fifteen minutes and it's it's insanely good. I think that'll help you come around to this idea. And I've been super resistant to this idea for a very long time uh, as a selfish American. Of what? Uh, of autonomous vehicles. Oh, I'm I'm all about it. Bring bring but it, I mean, bring it in, on. In, I mean, in terms of how quickly it'll happen. Oh. I think that will maybe butter you up for that. Hmm. And then lastly, to round out this insanely long conversation, I, I think in in the, I what will limit this more than anything, other than potentially just government regulation, is infrastructure. I think like right now, most people just don't have the infrastructure necessary to one the power grid to support that many self-driving cars, or sorry, electric vehicles. Uh, but also, people who live in urban environments, uh, where the heck are you going to charge it? Yeah. Yeah. So unless they're like gigantic Apple Watch like charging pads <laughs> for your for your uh for your Apple car. Well that that was a really interesting conversation they had on uh, not the most recent episode of Clockwise but the one before that which is what does a charging um network look like for an Apple car? I mean do, do they do they just sublease, you know, the Tesla supercharger like what what do Why they would do? they do that? Why would they do that? And of course, it's Apple, so it's going to be proprietary, <laughs> and they, they can change connectors on you after four years. But what did, I think it'll just be, it'll just be uh, USB C, right? A, a two hundred and forty volt uh, uh, USB C connector. Mm-hmm. Again, I've always, I've, I've, I'm not very good at Photoshop, but I've always wanted to have, like take a picture of a Model S and just like attach a U-Haul to the back and, and Photoshop Mophie onto it. Get you get get Darth on that. I w- I've got my first uh, reply from him. Or I think my second, probably, but first of the year. And and I I've, I I can't. I don't think I, I'm in the position to uh, farm out Photoshop jobs for him. <laughs> not not quite. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you for indulging me. I think we've talked about the autonomous car thing for a few episodes, but we've never gotten all the way into it. And that I feel better. I think that win that wins for our longest topic on the show. I'm not sure. I think we've had, we had one really long. Anyway, well, let's say sure. Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll go back to the archives. You seen this uh, wiener dog, Heinz uh, ad <laughs> T- taking a sharp left turn? Uh, y- yes, I have. I, it was a Super Bowl commercial. I completely missed it, and it's the absolute best thing in the world. Well, that's what you get for not watching sports. Shame, shame on you. I watch tons of sports. Mm. I just don't watch the bad sports. Mm. And now I finally understand what Darth's uh, uh, user icon or whatever was for like two months. I was wondering where that little, uh, you know, where the wiener dog came from. Yeah. Yeah, dogs really should be in every ad. Because here's the thing, like uh, the lady friend and I, if we ever, if we're, well, whenever there's a show that doesn't have uh, TiVo's ad skip built in, because let's be honest here. Yeah. 
Um, it's terrible. The worst is when you, you when you find a show you reliably normally get ad skip with. And then the one episode, like it either didn't record at the right time or something, and then it doesn't work. You just get so instantly indignant. Oh, it's, and, it's, the, it's the worst. <laughs> like, uh, oh, it's ter- terrible. It's terrible. Terrible. But no, but anytime we, we are fast forwarding through ads and we see like uh, an ad for dog food or, or just anything where there's a dog in it, instantly skip back. Absolutely. And we'll watch it. Yeah. So advertisers of the world, get more dogs in your ads. Yeah, I I agree a thousand percent. All right, let's let, let me give you a, a gimme. Talk about the Nintendo NX and and, and Nintendo's uh, struggles. Okay, um, so Nintendo had had their um, I guess this was the end of their fiscal year 2016 earnings call, and they um, you know talked about their 60 percent drop in profits, um, kind of the general shaky foundation that the company's on right now but what was more interesting in in these circles because as you know we are not a uh, financial analyst program is they started talking about what fiscal Speak year <laughs> fiscal year 2017 was going to look like and they dropped a couple of interesting little nuggets the the first of which was that the Nintendo NX which is the code name of their next console is going to be launching in March of 2017, so basically the end of this fiscal year. You know, interesting in a lot of ways. The, you know, the first of which is it's not coming out this year. It's it's not coming out during a holiday season, which is unusual for a console launch. Um, and what the other the other interesting thing that they mentioned was that it they're not really going to talk about it at E3. It, it they're they're gonna have their new Zelda game there, which by the way is also being delayed until next year. But they're not they're not gonna have any NX stuff at E three. So And when is E three? June. Okay. Which also is unusual because generally the E three before a console launch is where it really gets shown. Like that's where you've got a lot of hands on demos with games. I mean, it's actually sometimes two full E3s before a console launch. You'll you'll have hands-on experiences, but definitely the E3 before. So what this means with the NX is that we're not we're not going to have that because this thing's going to be out before the next E3. So do you think it's just that they don't have enough to show right now, or they're not proud of what they have to show, or they just don't think E3 is the place for them because they're because gaming has moved to a different spot with Xbox and PlayStation. I mean, and you know what I mean, right? I, I do, and I mean, maybe, but I mean, if, if it's if it's the former, then it's hard to imagine this thing coming out in less than a year. And if it's the latter, then kind of what's the point? If you're already seeding gaming to Microsoft and Sony, why even bother continuing to come out with consoles? So I, I don't know. I, I, either of those seems like a fairly grim outlook for what this console could be. Yeah, are there any rumors in terms of like what the controller situation is going to be? Are they going to step back from kind of the weird Wii U thing that I I think like I'm not a big gamer, but like I think has been kind of universally panned or just isn't? Yeah, so I mean the big rumor is that this thing is going to be both a handheld and a console. So it's going to be a console when it's connected to your TV, but then it's going to be a handheld when you're away from your TV. So presumably the controller is going to have to work on both a TV and work as a handheld system. 
So wait, so it's just like a high-powered 3DS with the X- HDMI? Kind of, yeah. Huh. Hopefully a bit more advanced than that, but... Interesting. So I, I, I don't know. It, you know, it, it, everybody kind of thought that it would there'd be some big reveal at E3. We've got a bunch of hands-on demos there, and then this thing would be out, you know, October, November, but not not going to be the case. Yeah, I, I, I wish them the best. Yeah, I, I, I do too. I, I hope they, I hope they turn things around. So one thing, uh, a quick little throwaway thing that I thought was cool this week uh, that I sent you was uh, Dropbox Project Infinite. Yeah, th- this is this is really neat. Um, t- tell the people about this. Well, so I know, like for you, uh, you you still live within the uh, like the two gigs, like the Dropbox free uh, territory. Uh, I think I, I think I've got more than that. I think I'm I'm up to. Let's, what am I up to now? I've got. How do you how do you see? Yeah, you just click on it. I've got I've got five point two gigabytes. Hmm, not bad. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, they're uh, doing a new thing where like so when you're on uh, your Dropbox account on like an iOS device, it shows you all the stuff on there, but it um. Like it just downloads stuff on the fly and as you need it, whereas when you're on a traditional computer on either OS X or uh, Microsoft Windows, it will download and synchronize everything, uh, and cache lo- and will store local copies on your actual computer and file system so that it works the way that it's expected. So the new thing this was announced on the Dropbox for Business blog. So it sounds like it'll take oh, a long time for regular consumers to get it, and it's also not available publicly yet anyway. But they're having a thing where uh, your Dropbox gets synchronized, but the files aren't actually there unless you tell them you want them available offline and have them synchronized, or they just download automatically. But in terms of like the file system itself, uh, the operating system thinks it's always there. It's just not actually taking up the space. Which in the age of SSDs and very big files and sometimes uh, limited bandwidth and poor internet connections... Oh, uh, this is pretty damn cool. Yeah, but I mean, how is this going to work? If if you're opening big files, I, I don't know. Like, it, it, isn't that going to be kind of a crummy experience? I don't think so. And I'm sure it'll have some like smart leveling feature where the stuff that you access most frequently uh, is always there. Or uh, and again, you can just right click on either a file or a folder and say, just always have this in sync locally, and it's just there. So I think that's just a problem that sorts itself out. And as internet connections get faster, that won't be a problem. Um, and again, like with SSDs, I think for a lot of people uh, who work with big files, that space is at a premium. Or I think, like again, my Dropbox is like 60 gigs on a 512-gig SSD. That that sometimes is is a challenge. So I, I think it's it's pretty cool. Well, so do you worry about this making Dropbox... Or, or having it lose some of its simplicity perhaps a tiny bit but i'm not sure and i'm sure it'll just be an opt-in feature for people with really large uh drop boxes um and i think for like somebody getting like just a brand new computer it might be pretty cool in the sense that you don't have to wait for all your files to download before you have a usable Dropbox, especially if you're somebody who's on the pro tier or has uh tens of gigabytes of data so no, I, I think it'll be neat and i'm sure they'll do it in a smart way and this seems like one kind of nifty feature that um, separates them from Box and the other kind of stuff. Because like people will always say that like Dropbox is great and it's the glue that holds like everything together. But 
it hasn't changed as a product in like a decade. All right, so the only time-sensitive thing I think we have in here uh, is the Apple earnings. Do you want to cover that briefly? Yeah, um, I don't. I don't really know how much there is to say with this. You know, Apple came out at the end of last quarter. They, you know, guided for their first year-over-year drop in iPhone sales, and that's kind of exactly what we got. Um, you know, I, I guess people also looked at drop in iPad sales, drop in Mac sales overall miss compared to analyst expectations in, in revenue and earnings. It's kind of just overall kind of a rough a rough call for Apple yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. I mean they they guided lower and it everybody seems to think the sky is falling, but I think most investors are not worried about a sustainable business. They're worried about a growing business. And after just 10 years of insane growth, um it seems like this was kind of bound to happen, but in particular, it looks like just not as many people are are upgrading as they used to. So, which I mean, it's just kind of the law of large numbers in a lot of ways. It is, but also what was concerning is is the weakness in Asia is more than I guess a lot of people expected, and it looks it sounds like uh, from a lot of researchers the iPhone is losing its kind of prestige and, and allure with a lot of Asian consumers, and I think. Yeah, just I mean they they addressed like a lot of big market demand with the six and uh, the six plus and the different screen sizes, which forced a lot of upgrades, which just made comparable like year over year and comparability just really really challenging to beat. Like they had a ridiculous year last year, right? Yeah, so that's it. I mean the sky's falling, but it it's gonna be it, it'll be fine. I mean, do you? I guess my my concern would be. Do you feel like Apple now feels like they have to respond to this and they're going to maybe lose some of their focus and and kind of force that next big thing? I think they already kind of have. I mean, I I, I think the... I think the six S and or the six and the six plus. I think those screen sizes and a lot of a lot of things like that were not necessarily things they wanted to do or things that were in in the pipeline on like a product side of things and were more of response to market demands. I think a lot of the product line in terms of like why so many models stick around for so long are in response to to market demand. And or and also potentially a lot of people could say that the Apple Watch coming out before it was fully baked was a response to market demand. So those are things we'll never know. But um I think maybe yeah, and we'll we'll be talking about it next week. But um, yeah, Apple Watch still is a rough product. Yeah, yeah, and it, that seems like that's maybe not contributing as meaningfully to the bottom line as people thought, even with conservative estimates based on kind of the install base and who could potentially purchase the product. It seems like that seeing some challenges. Yeah, I mean, who who knows? Yeah. Oh, do you see Jason Snell's uh, Bezos chart for? Apple Watch sales? <laughs> no. It was just uh four solid like bar graph lines that were all the exact same and they just had uh random words that Tim Cook you used on the call. Right. Just as uh doing well meets expectations and just a lot of stuff. It's it good. I'll find it's, a link. It's pretty, it's pretty good. Yeah. All right, we're going long. So do you want to do a couple of quick picks of the week and then wrap this up? I th- I think so. All right, you first. All right, so mine this week is the uh Panasonic Inaloops. Have you heard, heard heard of these? 
those their rechargeable batteries? Yeah. Um, I, you know, had a big Costco pack of AA batteries that recently ran out and I had a handful of these Aniloop batteries that I had, that I had gotten, uh, on a sale, on Amazon sale a while back. And I kind of thought like, well, instead of going out and, and getting another pack of AA batteries, I, there really only are a handful of devices that I, you know, regularly use that, that still use these types of batteries. So why don't I just buy a few more of these Eneloops and just kind of run with those. And that, that's exactly what I did. And it, they're, they're pretty great. You know, they, they, I have one of the nice little compact chargers. Um, and you know, it, it's a, a little bit, obviously pay a premium up front, but I, I think in the, in the long run, it's, it's, you know, financially a good, a smart decision. And obviously environmentally seems to be the better thing to do. So yeah, I mean, they're, they're, they're nice and they're, they're not actually not terribly expensive. You do pay somewhat of a premium, but not, not a huge premium. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm happy with them. Have things changed? I remember, uh, rechargeable batteries always used to be kind of a, a mess where like, if you, if you didn't recharge them properly, they would only hold like 60% of their charge. And then they, if they sat on the shelf for like a week, they would just be dead. Like, has that gotten fixed? Has the technology changed? I I think so. I mean these these things came pre-charged. Um I I, mean, I threw them right into my, some of my devices and you know they um they were they were just fine. Like right here on the package it says that it can be re, each of these can be recharged up to 2100 times that they hold 70% of their maximum charge for 10 years. So yeah, I mean I, I think a lot of that stuff they've kind of figured out. All right. Um, my pick of the week, I have, uh, one, one main one and one small one. Uh, there is a new keyboard for uh, a new Microsoft garage project, uh, called, uh, Microsoft WordFlow. Now, have you seen this? I have not. So this is, um, a third party keyboard for your iPhone. Um, and it's something that's similar to what's happening on the, um, Sorry, I got distracted. Uh, something's happening on, on Windows Mobile, so therefore nobody's actually seen it, uh, where you can do kind of like one-handed mode. Let me see if I can get a picture for you, or if you can look it up on yeah, the App Store. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at it. Yeah, you can do it where you can just drag the keyboard onto a side of the screen where it's kind of like a, a circular fan, which makes it a lot easier to thumb type. It has really responsive swipe typing, um, and it's just it's pretty accurate. Uh, I'm still making a lot of mistakes for my for, for my first week with it. But no, it's saving a ton of time, and it's one of the first ones where uh, swipe typing actually works extremely well. My only knock against it is that it does not have all of the iOS 9.1 and beyond emojis. So you still have to keep the iOS emoji keyboard in your little like international toggle. And this, this is free? Totally free. So I would try it out for a couple days. I, I, I very, very much enjoy it. Hmm. Even for typing like just weird things and in long, complicated words, um, works great. I am downloading it now. Yeah, give it a try. And then uh, one last uh, quick pick of the week. Uh, have you uh, have you ever been to Portillo's in Orange County? I have not, although I've heard of it. So it's uh, it's apparently a an Illinois or Chicago institution. It is a uh, hot dog uh, restaurant that also specializes in what's called Italian beef. And there's one in Buena Park in Orange County, um, and it's stupendous. 
It's hmm. great. Highly recommend it if anybody's down there. Uh, beef burgers and salads is is the description on the website here. Yeah, nobody should be getting uh, salads or burgers there. It's all about hot dogs and Italian beef. Huh. And Bu- Buena Park, that's the location? Uh, there's a couple of them, but yeah, that's the one in Orange County, and then there's like 20 of them in Illinois. In Illinois. Hmm. Next time you're down there, it's a classy meal for you and the lady, but it's yeah, not Buena, good. Bu- Buena Park's a little out of the way, but... It's close to Anaheim. I assume you'll be near Disneyland soon, as always. <laughs> right, as as always. Most magical place on earth. Yes, indeed. <laughs>